I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I was told that there were some in this parish who cringe when sports are talked about in a sermon. I see some of you out there. I have not talked about sports yet in any of my sermons, but since it is Super Bowl Sunday, I think this is the perfect time. However, I do not want to talk about the game tonight, or football for that matter. I want to talk about baseball. I want to talk about our national pastime. I love the game of baseball. It is a strong belief of mine that our God loves the game of baseball as well. My favorite team is known as the Lovable Losers. Perhaps you know to who I am referring. People have asked, you grew up in Mississippi. How did you become a Chicago Cubs fan? Growing up in the 90s, I used to watch the Lovable Losers on WGN with none other than Harry Carey as the broadcast announcer. They played most of their games during the afternoon. So after school, I would come home and catch the last five innings or so of their games on TV. In fact, one of my happy places is in the outfield bleachers at Wrigley Field. I only go to Chicago during the summer so that I can catch a Cubs game. However, I quickly found out what it is like to be a Cubs fan. I always get very excited at the beginning of a new baseball season. Surely, surely this will be the Cubs year. Surely this will be my year. But most seasons than not, it only takes a couple of weeks to realize that the Cubs are not very good once again. I remember the year they lost their first 14 games of the season and actually had a champagne party to toast to their first victory of the season. I remember the 2003 season when the Cubs were well on their way to their first World Series since 1945, only to give it up in the last couple of innings and then go on to lose the next game in an epic turn of events only the Chicago Cubs could display. I remember very fondly the 2008 season. They won 97 games that year, the most in the National League, and then were subsequently swept out of the playoffs in three straight games by the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Cubs had a great season this past year, but once again could not make it to the World Series. I had hope. I had hope because the 1985 movie Back to the Future predicted that the Cubs would win it all in 2015. But they forgot to take into account how good the New York Mets pitching staff would be. You see, talking about the Chicago Cubs with you all is very therapeutic for me. We are only a couple of months away from the start of a new baseball season, so talking about the past disappointments is preparing me for the excitement of the upcoming season and the disappointment that I have come to expect. 
It has been since 1908 that the Cubs have won the World Series. 1908. Teddy Roosevelt was president then. It has been since 1945 that they have even been to the World Series. Franklin Roosevelt was president then. The joke told by a priest in this diocese, who is a Cardinals fan, is that the Lord said to the Chicago Cubs, do nothing until I return. <laughs> I would describe us Cubs fans as watching and waiting. Watching and waiting until the glory of the Lord is shown and the Cubs finally break through and win their first World Series in over 100 years. Our lives are full of watching and waiting, not just as a fan of the Chicago Cubs. We all are called upon to watch and wait in our lives. And no, I am not necessarily talking about waiting in the checkout line at Kroger or watching the slow movement of the hands on a clock during a boring meeting. I am not speaking of waiting for a table at an overcrowded restaurant, nor am I talking about watching the Super Bowl on TV. The watching and waiting I speak of is very holy. And we can point to many times in our lives to understand what it means to watch and wait. Usually, these times are full of stress and anxiety, such as watching and waiting for news from a doctor or the results of a test. Other times, it can be sad and yet quite fulfilling, such as watching and waiting with a person who is dying. We watch and wait for a diagnosis, for death, for an answer about our future, for an answer about someone we love's future. When we watch and we wait, we feel as though our lives hang in the balance and we are rendered helpless. During our time of watching and waiting, we may hope and try to stay positive. Then we may lose hope completely. Our minds run wild with possibilities and what-ifs. We reflect, pray, commend the situation and our watching and waiting to God. We may feel close to God, or we may feel far away from God. We may even become mad at God, and this is all okay. We are only human, and God understands this. Now, I have said that watching and waiting is holy, and this is true. This is true because we never watch or wait alone. We are always watching and waiting in the presence of Christ, who watches and waits with us. Christ himself knows watching and waiting all too well. He watched and waited in the Garden of Gethsemane for his betrayer and those who would take him captive into his death. As he watched and he waited, he prayed, he worried, he asked the Father to take this burden from him. Christ keeps watch with us in those times of uncertainty. And he waits with us as the circumstances of our lives unfold because Christ knows what it is to be us, to watch and to wait as we do.
In our gospel lesson today, we find the disciples heavy with sleep. They have been brought to the mountain to behold the glory of God manifested in the transfiguration. They have been brought to the mountain to watch and wait for the glory of God to be revealed. But they are heavy with sleep. We all know what that is like. Luke tells of the transfiguration like none of the other Gospels. The writer of Luke is the only writer in any of the Gospels to disclose to us that the disciples were heavy with sleep as they watched and waited. And it is only because they stayed awake that they saw the glory of God when Christ was transfigured. They watched and waited and Christ's glory was revealed to them. We can learn from these sleepy-headed disciples on that mountain. Keep watch and wait, for the glory of the Lord will soon be revealed to us. Keep watch and wait in the presence of Christ in those times of uncertainty and anxiety. Keep watch and wait with Christ, who watches and waits with us. Today's opening hymn, it's a beautiful hymn, Ye Watchers and Ye Holy Ones. It is very poignant for this day as we close out Epiphany and begin our Lenten journey. First, it is full of Alleluias, which will soon go into hiding as we enter the season of Lent. In fact, Alleluia appears a whopping 26 times in the song, just in case you didn't notice giving us all a chance to get them out of our system before Lent. Furthermore, this triumphant song is a cosmological roll call. We have the seraphim, the cherubim, St. Mary, angels, archangels, patriarchs, and prophets, martyrs, the twelve apostles, and all the saints. All are commanded to raise the glad strain, to cry out, and to magnify the Lord. This is a high and holy roll, roll call of which we partake as the watchers. We all are ye watchers, referred to in the first line of the hymn. In our watching, in our waiting, in our anxiety, in our fear and uncertainty, in all that which is unknown in our lives, we are watchers and we wait. And to do this is holy. While we do so, while we watch and wait, we are called to raise the glad strain, to cry out and to magnify the Lord. As we await His glory, we are to make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Because we never watch nor wait alone. Christ is always there, watching and waiting with us. So keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this day. Amen. Amen.